Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Get a gun. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of Slam Fire Radio for July 7th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor the Frelate. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot. And I'm Kelly. I'm the classy one. And I'm Adriel, the hunting gear guy in the show. Joining us this week, we have two very special guests, two uh, Ipsic buddies and training buddies of ours. We have uh, Captain Andy Shan from Nova Scotia and... Um, Seaman first class Stephen. <laughs> Stephen's going to crush my my head like a sparrow's egg for that. That, that may happen. <laughs> that may happen. Uh, Stephen and Andy, welcome to uh, Slam Fire Radio, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we get started into uh, what we did this week in guns, maybe a little bit about yourselves and why you're here. Sure. Uh, I'm Andy Shand. Uh, I've been on the show there once before talking about reloading. I'm from Nova Scotia, shoot Ipsic, and uh, here tonight to talk about uh, specifically shooting Classic Division in Ipsic. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. Steve? Yeah, I'm uh, Andy's kind of shooting buddy. We get out to the range. You're Andy's squire. Just let's just get that out of the way. Filthy has Fred, Andy has you. I'm sorry. There, I said it. I could be bald a bodyguard, too. That too, uh, yeah. The enforcer. enforcer. And he brings the muscle with him everywhere he goes. You know what? And there's no ill comment towards him. Nope. Nothing. Never. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no one seems to have anything to say about it. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I started shooting with, with Andy a couple of years ago and shoot uh, only Ipsic Classic Division because it's the coolest. <laughs> um, well, that's obvious. All the cool kids are doing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. first time Not podcasting much, thingy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know you weren't. Uh, you didn't. You weren't on the show. At oh, any of the cl- I gave a short blurb on the on the Daniel Shaw course, the Caribbean Vitals uh, One. Right. Yeah. Yes. So. Oh yeah, and we'll have some uh, an announcement coming up shortly about this year's class. So listeners will have to stay tuned for that. You guys may also be interested in it, but more on that later. Um, why don't we get into what we did this week in guns? And uh, Stephen or Andy, why don't you go ahead first and fill us in on what you've been up to? Go ahead, Stephen. Um, well, this week I was, I had run out of, I was been loading my, uh, my 45 with, uh, uh, N310 Vidvori powder for a while, but I ran it, I ran out of that. So all I had was, I had a bunch of 320 left over. So I looked at the load data and the load data said that I should make power factor with about 4.9 grains. So I shot that for a while and then all the comments, the guys at practice saying they could see my, to see the back ends of my bullets going through the targets. <laughs> One guy recalled the, the June bug load. So, uh. I uh, loaded up some more, uh, well, actually I went to Cabela's, bought a chronograph, and then loaded up a bunch bunch more ammo and about 20 rounds of each in half grain or 0.1 grain increments. Got out to the range and chronographed a bunch of ammo, found something that uh, seems to chooch quite well. And uh, yeah, and then that was that was Tuesday. So Wednesday was our Wednesday night practice at Natchuk's indoor range in Elmsdale, Nova Scotia. There's usually a decent crowd of guys that show up. Andy and I are kind of like the regulars, uh, so it's a good chance for us to shoot indoors. There's 
no mosquitoes and no rain. They've recently improved the lighting. So, uh, yeah, got in range and we shot at two Ipsic classifier stages, uh, just for, just for fun. We got some steel poppers inside and some paper and it was a good night, late night for me. So I get to drive an hour and a half each way to practice, but it, uh, it's dedicated. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. Now question, do you have to shroud your steel indoors? We do. We have uh, plywood shrouds around the steel and they're, and they're forward falling steel. Mm-hmm. And then we put cardboard underneath the popper to prevent any spalling on the concrete floor. But we would have to shroud it even if it wasn't the law because the lights would not take it. Yeah. Uh, this is good um, there's an actual logical reason for yeah. shrouding. There's yes. an actual logical reason why we do it, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's one. <laughs> and usually they're placed, and they're again because they're low, sort of low to the ground. We place them back by the berm. Um, so usually they're at their furthest. They're usually at the furthest distance of our the shooting the practice stages that we set up. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Andy. Uh, well, let's see. I I cast a bunch of bullets with my new mold that I got recently, and it's a it's a mold designed specifically for powder coating. There's no no lube grooves in it in the bullet, and uh, it's made by Accurate Molds, and I'm very pleased with it. How's the consistency coming out of the mold as far as weight-wise? Really quite good. Um, yeah. I haven't done extensive testing, but I weighed about 30, and the variance was just under one grain for 30 bullets. So I was very pleased with that. That's good for cast bullets. That is. And yeah. um, steel mold or aluminum mold? Aluminum. That was the – I wanted – uh, I wanted production. I was I was using a Lee six cavity before this, and uh, it's uh, production's there, but it, the quality of the mold isn't really there, and it's uh, the bullets don't fall free very well. And I tried all the fixes for that, and I just got tired of it. So this is world's better, mm. and it's only a five cavity, but because the bullets fall free so quickly, you can really cast faster than you can with a six. Nice. Yeah. And it's all it's all about production if you're shooting a lot, and you know. Mm-hmm. We're I, I found with the. Uh, the Lee six cavity with uh, 45, like with heavy bullets, it was fine. But with the uh, smaller 38s or nine mil or whatever it, uh, yeah, they stick in there and that really slows things down. It's, it's hard to, to maintain the mold at a consistent temperature when you drop some drop free and you can keep your heat up and then all of a sudden some stick and then you you lose the heat in the mold and it gets different on you. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I tried lapping it out and everything and, uh, it improved it some, but, uh, Still wasn't making me happy. So anyway, I was using that mold and cast about six or seven hundred bullets this week. Powder coated them all, uh, loaded them all, and uh, as Stephen was saying, went to practice on Wednesday. Uh, we this year, this uh, practice, one of the guys brought in, printed off a bunch of uh, Ipsic classifiers stages. So we set up a few of those and tried them. That was pretty neat. Um, I'm not sure if there's a place you can look up what your score was on a classifier and see what, what class that would put you in. I mean, I know Ipsic does it, but I don't, I haven't been really able to find much info on that. No, just, it's just not. It's, yeah. It's not like IDPA. IDPA is so simple. You yeah. set it up and if this is your time, then you automatically know whether you fall under a master or a sharpshooter or whatever. It's top secret uh, Ipsic, I think. It is. It, it, the, the classifier stages have to be done in conjunction with a match and then yes. submitted and you used to have to pay to submit them only recently really? did they do away with that and very few clubs in this region bother to put them on um, and make them part of their match uh, we've done it in my club in all the years I've been there twice maybe three times one other time we tried it but you need to have a minimum 10 people and we didn't have 10 people so they didn't count 
yeah, it's pretty pretty tricky to actually get them in there, I guess, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I think, though, no. I was going to, no, never mind. <laughs> I had a thought about the Nationals, but no, I mean, there has to be, uh, a club actually has to hold a match with classifiers and then submit them, and then you'll see your, your rank change. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking, not really as an official ranking, but just see what the general hit factors are for for the different classes, but that doesn't seem to be a thing. So mm. anyway, um, dry fire, did some dry fire, uh, every night this week, except Wednesday, uh, about half an hour to 45 minutes, just trying to improve their nationals coming up. Um, changed five mag springs and five of my mags. I tested them on a, on a scale by putting one round in the mag and pushing down on the scale. You can get an idea how strong the mag spring is. Uh, single stack 1911s are pretty sensitive to bad magazine springs, so I found five that were weak. Changed those. Um, like I said, loaded 600 rounds of ammo. That was about it, I think. Cool. Okay. Glachi, what have you been up to? I don't know. When was I last on here? Uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Steel, Steel Challenge was the I last s- thing you talked I about. I still don't remember. Anyway, mostly what I've been doing is wrestling with my Troy PAR. It, uh, it, it just no. doesn't... Uh, last, yeah, you were on last week when we talked about uh, the charity no, shoot. I wasn't. Oh, no? I was not. But anyway, oh. the Troy PAR made it out to the charity shoot, and lots of people had fun shooting it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm getting about five minutes of angle for accuracy out of this sucker, so that's not acceptable. So I called up... I got it from Iron Guns, so I called up Iron Guns, and they're like, so what seems to be the problem? I said, well, it won't shoot straight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right off the bat, he just took me for some guy who didn't know what I was talking about, so that was fun. But anyway, it all got straightened out, and he's like, yeah, yeah, send it back, we'll test it, and uh, if it doesn't shoot straight for us, we'll send it back to Troy, and they'll send you out a replacement. So that's what I am up to with regards to that. So hopefully that only takes about six months to a year. Cause that's yeah, really. <laughs> But, I mean, I tried everything. I tried everything from the, the cheap Norinco 55-grain ammo, uh, hand loads. I tried 75-grain match uh, Hornady ammo. I tried 62-grain hunting ammo. I tried any type of ammo I could get my hands on. And but did you, try, did you try a different scope? I did. I tried two different scopes. I tried oh, my um, EOTech. I tried the iron sights. So uh, I tried different shooters. So there no no change. I checked everything I could think of. I, I even changed muzzle devices. I took the brake off and shot it with no muzzle device. I put a flash hider on it. I put a linear muzzle brake on it. I put a uh, just a regular AAC blackout flash hider. Like I I put all kinds of different things on it. I tried every variable. I checked the crown. I the rifling looks good. The barrel seems to be tight. I even shimmed it because there's some play between the upper and the lower, which doesn't normally affect your accuracy, but I figured, what the heck, I'll shim it anyway, and shimmed it up nice and tight, and still, nothing. I could not get better than five minutes of angle out of it. So, yeah, it kind of sucks. I, I'm disappointed, but uh, the, for people who are maybe still waiting for theirs in the mail, don't be discouraged. This is the only one that I've heard of that has this issue. Everybody else who I've talked to is very happy with the accuracy with their rifle. So They, um, they, they sent you the McClatchy shot edition. They, they, they certainly did. <laughs> That's like, funny. Oh, this is going to McClatchy? No, oh, he can't hit anything anyway. <laughs> uh, so let's just yeah. make this warning shots built in. Yep. <laughs> 
in other news, uh, Thomas Bryant uh, has stepped up to the plate again and sent me another rifle to play with, this time his Swiss Arms Black Edition, uh, or Black Special, I guess it's called, or is it the Green Green Special? No, I think it's the Black. Anyway, uh, topped with a nice Citron scope, 3-16. to 16. It is a nice S- scope. S3 or S2? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'd have to look at. I, there's no markings on it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which one it is. I want Thomas to adopt me. It's not yeah. too late. No kidding, eh? So, anyhow, I haven't even had the chance to take it out and shoot it yet, but I will soon. And because it's non-restricted, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I, I shoot a groundhog or a, a coyote or at least a crow or something, something that's in season with it, just to say that I did. So, it's uh, it's it's heavier than most other rifles that I own, but... Uh, yeah, that's my only complaint about that platform, is it's like full-size battle rifle in two two three. Right. If well, it was... Price. Yeah. If it was, you know, 76.2 by, mm-hmm. by, by 3.9. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, 308 or, or anything. Yeah, 308. I mean... 308 would be nice. It's the size of a 308. It really is. It really should be a 308. But... Uh, Regardless, I, I'm very thankful that he sent it out, and so I will. I will shoot it and make a little review on from a channel, and and yeah, and keep it. Done. And keep um, it, yeah, I don't think he wanted it back. So I'm so, quite yeah. sure he didn't. No, I'm I'm sure of it. So if I anyway. look hard enough, I can fabricate an email that says so. Sure, that's all I pretty much did. I think, Trev. So you can you can just continue right on with what you did. Uh, I worked on SummerSlam today, um, last week after the show. In the middle of the night, I threw out my back and I left the house for the first time since then, like two days ago. And uh, things are just kind of coming back to normal. And so I got on the range today for the first time since I think June 20th or something ridic- ridiculous like that. Um, so there's a lot to do, needless to say. We're, we're rebuilding the APCs in the tank. Um, the APC frames were pretty much shot out, and the skins were all rotten off of them, and the skin is starting to get rotten on the tank as well because it's just, like, really, really thin, like um, the kind of plywood that you would uh, finish your apartment with in the 70s, that real thin, <laughs> horrible-looking stuff. Paneling-like? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or Maranti stuff. Or yeah, yeah, the skin on the tank and the APCs is just that paneling stuff. So it doesn't hold up well to the weather. So we're resurfacing them and getting those ready to go and also uh, preparing for a CFO inspection. We put a new bay in last year at the end of the season, haven't had it inspected yet, and we already have to redo it because of erosion. So the inspector will be here. The CFO himself will actually be on the range next week sometime to inspect. So big cleanup day planned for Saturday. And um, that's it. That's all I did. I got to the range for the first time today since since before the charity shoot. How about you, Adriel? Well, um, not too, too much. Uh, so there was a, a note that I uh, saw on CGN that there was the Troy PARs or the Troy Sporting Rifles, I think it was what they're technically called, in 308, uh, just over at Wild West uh, Shooting Center, which is in Edmonton here. And uh, they had four that they had brought into the country, and they're the first to bring them in. So I went and picked one of those up because uh, Matthew had the 223, and he didn't say anything negative yet. I wish he had. That's going to be yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yours will be fine. Don't worry about it, man. It'll I think be, yeah. it will be. I was I was looking at some other reviews, and uh, and the accuracy has been good on most. So, yeah, I was uh, surprised when you said that you were returning it for uh, accuracy problems. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a neat rifle. I mean, 
you haven't uh, you haven't talked about it too much, uh, Matthew. But the uh, the mechanism on it is like nice and simple. Um, I don't know about yours, but uh, this this one in three hundred eight has a uh, a Troy Alpha rail on the front, so it's got those little circles that you can put things in. But you can't really use it because the pump kind of like covers pretty much all the holes except the ones way at the front. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's very nice and flexible and adjustable except you can't use any of those because the, the pump's got to go there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, the rest of it's like almost like a stock AR. It's So it, it's instead of uh, a gas tube, it's just got a rod that goes down through the, uh, through the opening there. It grabs onto the bolt. The bolt is, I, I believe, the the gas key. I'm, I'm using bunny quotes around that. On the bolt is different, but the the rest of the bolt looks kind of stock. Like it doesn't. It, it it's it's not uh, entirely the same, but it looks fairly similar to uh, what you'd see out there. Um, yeah. But I just got it. Like this was, I think, yesterday. I was sending you guys pics of uh, of this thing as I was buying it because. I thought they would be snatched up really quickly. Like it's 308, um, and I believe like it, it came with uh, five 10 mags, so like f- the, the 10 round mags that are pinned to five. But I believe you, the XCRMs will fit in this. Does that sound about right? Does the XCRM use like a, a AR10 mag? I'm not entirely certain, but I guess that's plausible. I believe okay. it uses the yeah. uh, the P mag. Good. Then I will get some of those from Wolverine because. Uh, this thing with 10 round mags would be sweet. Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, let me throw it off to the side here. Uh, other than that, I'm, uh, I'm going to go shoot some gophers this weekend, and I was looking at 17 HMR, and oh, it's so expensive. Uh, it's like 22 bucks a box locally here. It's, it's more expensive than 223. I could get a steel case 223 hollow point for less than 17 HMR. That's not right. I know, I know. Matthew. It's rimfire. It's supposed to be cheap. It's supposed to be easy to make and cheap, and it's forty-four cents around. Well, the expense comes from making those tiny little bullets as perfect as they do. Yeah. You, you can't you can't send a you know twenty-two long rifle is just exposed lead copper washed maybe, but you can't send something like that down a barrel at almost three thousand feet per second and not have the lead all strip off and fill up the, the rifling. So they have to make little mini copper jacketed. Uh, projectiles that's where bullet. the expense comes from yeah exactly it yeah. literally is a miniature version of a you know oh, hornady 55 grain uh v-max does, bullet yeah what does it cost to load around a two two three well we, to load it even less i mean i i buy i buy steel case stuff at around 35 or i buy oh, uh, yeah, brass okay. b- brass uh case stuff at around 50 cents a, a round so to and uh, reloading is way cheaper than that though bullets are like sure sure yeah 10 15 something like that i just don't like reloading 223 because all my brass is crimped and the crimping is kind of a pain in the butt to remove on and and prep up all this nice brass just to have it thrown into the grass somewhere you know what you need to do adriel you need to get a 17 caliber center fire and start loading for it yeah cheaper. yeah the bullets See, are cheaper right aren't they i i, I oh, think yeah. that I, I would think that 17 caliber bullets would be really cheap because there's not much weight weight to them or anything. There might like be a that. demand thing though, where they not, not they don't have as much demand, so they might cost more just because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, are there any uh, 17 center fires that won't burn out a barrel? Like there's 17 Hornet, I guess, but are there any like more modern uh, 17s out there? There's 17 Mach 
Mach 4 or Mark 4? Mach 4. Mach. Uh, I think it's Mach. Mach. I don't know if that burns barrels or not. I don't know much about them. Mm. Mm. You need to get one so we can find out these things. Yes. Yeah. Research yeah. research and development in the name of the show. Well, I mean, so I've got this 17 HMR in, in the gun locker that's uh, one of those Savage BVTSs. Heavy barrel, accurate as snot, but <laughs> I don't want to feed I don't want to pay forty four cents for a round for rimfire. I don't want to pay it. I was fine when it was like fifteen bucks a box or less, but now that it's it's getting closer to twenty two, twenty five dollars a box, man, that hurts what, so much. What kind of group can you get with that thing? Oh, they're amazing. At a hundred yards, yeah, right. I'm I'm an inch ish, sometimes less. It's, yeah, uh, I was going to say my 17 at 100, I think, is better than my 223 at 100. Yeah. No, That's just because I wind, haven't developed that, the right load for it yet. But yeah, you can't do anything in the wind. Forget it. Yeah. I don't know. I'd still, if we're going for groundhogs, my 223 would be better because those groundhogs are quite beefy. But gophers, oh, I'd rather, I know it costs more, but I'd still rather take a 17. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't, uh, like, it's not as hard on your ears. You need, you know, the, uh, all that stuff's less. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you can shoot more without heating up the barrel. But rifle's uh, lighter if you're walking all day. Yeah, yeah, unless you're unless you have one of those Savage BBTSs, which you have, which is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a heavy rifle. Yeah, for a 17, it is. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, man, I'm just struggling with 44 cents around. So I'm gonna look around and see if I can find someone who's I don't know selling someone locally here or something or, like yeah, that. Yeah, or it when it goes on sale. I know. Uh, my buddy Mark, he was somewhere and they were having a closing out sale and he cleaned them out. It was normally eighteen ninety nine a box and he got them for between fifteen and sixteen. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, I would do that. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got three boxes and that's <laughs> that's it. Well time to uh time to cash in some some uh bonds and uh, go and go, go invest them in seventeen HMR. <laughs> But awesome. uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much all I've been up to. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Um, not much. I didn't get out to the range this week. I've uh, been studying for some stuff at work. So we did get back to SFRC on Saturday to return the stuff from the charity shoot, though. they want, Surprisingly, they wanted the stuff back. I don't know why. Did, did you get to keep one of the 1919s? No. <laughs> but I did. Um, yeah, no. They, they wouldn't go for that. Anyways, Bummer. I don't know why. I don't know um, why either. <laughs> but Dave... Dave Merle, he's the uh, the gunsmith there. We were talking about him last week, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, so he's doing some work from Kevin. He's switching over the uh, ACR barrel to make it, uh, and he's going to verify it too, so, which is awesome, because uh, Kevin wanted to uh, switch up barrels so directed. So And having, having Dave as the gunsmith and verifier, it's one-stop shopping. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, we did was I brought in my uh, my 1022. Uh, I need to I needed to switch out uh, the Picatinny rail on the top because I need to move my optics forward. So in order to do that, the sights, the back sights, need to be sheared off. So he's going to do that for me. And the other thing that he's going to do is he wanted to do this. I don't know. And I'm sure whatever. He's uh, drilling uh, out a hole in my Magpul stock so that I can. It's a cleaning hole. For so, the cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. In the back? And, well, through the stock. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, in the back, though, in the back of the receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Anyways, it, his quote was, he's improving guns one gun at a time. Guns in Canada, one gun at a time. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, great. Okay. <laughs> I said, it's a service you're doing. You know, you know, it's your service to Canada. So is the idea then that you you take the, the uh, cleaning rod with a jag on it and a patch, and then you slide it in through the back of the receiver into the barrel and then out the muzzle and then take yeah. off the dirty patch and pull it through again? Yeah, it's just going to be so much easier and all that. I'm going, okay. All right. So, yeah, he's going to do that. It should actually probably be ready by Saturday so we can go in there and, and get up. And you should have the ACR all verified and everything too. So that'll be good. So the other thing that we did was, oh, the other thing that we did, you know when you guys were here, the gun cupboard I had mm-hmm. downstairs? Mm-hmm. Well, fixed it all up so that it's reinforced and we have uh, slots now for rifles so we can uncase the rifles and stand them up in there and also the pistols. So we're able to fit about maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 shotguns in there now. Nice. Yeah, so they're, they're on both sides. And also the pistols are all out and, and hanging up in that too. And we have the space for the ammo. So it's, yeah, it's going to work out great. So And we reinforced it as well. So And the, the final thing that I did was, uh, yeah, so on Tuesday we, uh, we recorded our last show for New Shooter Canada. Well, not we, I. So, yep, that's it. You're done? You're done with New Shooter Canada? I am. Oh. So I'm all yours. Oh, good. Well, we're happy to have you. Yeah. Of course we are. There's only so many hours in a day. There is. So, yep. So I just wanted to say thanks to those guys, too. So, mm. And that's it for Guns in the Week this week with me. All right. Cool. Well, uh, good stuff. Let's jump into upcoming events then. Um, James W., you won the SKS chassis, and we need you to email us so that we can get your coordinates and get it in the mail to you. So... James W., we're calling you. Um, also, Archie Perry, if you're listening um, and you get a chance to, I don't know, steal some Wi-Fi at a coffee shop, uh, check your email. <laughs> email us back. We looking, we're looking for an update. Last we heard, you were living under your truck, and we haven't heard from you in a long time, so we just want to see how you're doing. Um, what else? This was sent to us from Jason. The 2016 CNSCA Sporting Clays National Championships at the Wapiti Shooters Club in Grand Prairie will take place on September 1st to the 4th. Registration can be done at, and there's a uh, website. Adriel, we're going to have this website in the show notes? Uh, we've had it on there before, so All right. uh, I guess they can go back in the show notes if they want to. Okay. Winscoreonline.com forward slash shooter registration. Um, what else we got? Oh, uh, our buddy Rick from Fire Arts Solutions Training has an active killer defense course coming up on August 21st in London, Ontario. Course is 150 bucks, free for teachers. Visit FAST website for details and to sign up, www.fireartssolutions.ca forward slash active hyphen killer hyphen defense dot html. The Practical Shooters of Canada is proud to announce the first Canadian Precision Rifle Series, the PRS, match to happen at the 4th Canadian Division Training Centre just outside of Medford, or Meaford? Meaford, Ontario. Meaford Long Range Steel Challenge presents, presented by Insight Arms will run from September 2nd through the 4th. 
we'll be shooting um, 200 meters all the way out to 1700 or 200 yards to 1700 plus yards. The second will be a practice day. The third and fourth will be uh, shooting 15 to 20 stages for more information and to see our quickly expanding sponsorship list, please visit our Facebook page uh, and website at mlrs.ca. Next one came to us from Jeff. The 2016 Algonquin Cup will take place at the Eagle Lake Gun Club in Sunbridge, Ontario on September 18th. This is a Tier 2 IDPA match. For more information, go to the algonquincup.ca. News. Adriel, do you want to take this first one? Yeah, you bet. Uh, so this was the uh, California laws that uh, that have changed just recently. Uh, and and just the, the summary of this is that there's a lot more laws on the books in California. And now I think we might have more permissive laws in Canada compared to California. What do you guys think? Like lick your thumb, put it in the air. You think we've got it better or worse? Oh, I think but, we have it better than California, yeah. Way better than California. Point, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. So I'm just going to uh, skim through a couple of these different bills. Some of them, uh, some of them are the, are pretty similar uh, in nature, but uh, they are uh, they are really really restrictive. So uh, one of the ones, and uh, you'll be familiar with this if you're in the U.S. or if you are aware of U.S. law around uh, magazine uh, locks, is a is a concept of a bullet button. Uh, in California, they'd have these uh, workarounds to uh, to allow them to drop mags, and uh, and now you can't. Now there there's no such thing. They, you are not allowed to use a bullet button uh, in a semi-auto. I believe the the uh, law works out that you'll have to disassemble the rifle to remove the magazine. Yeah, essentially any semi-auto with a detachable magazine is now banned. Yeah, or you you fix the magazine. I've already seen one guy trying to make a workaround where he's running like a loop on the uh, on the pin that that at the rear of the AR, so it's quick to pull that pin, and then uh, that runs on a mag- uh, magazine lock. So as soon as it opens, you can re- uh, drop the magazine. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's not very convenient, but uh, <laughs> it is possible. Yeah, at least you get to keep your AR and you can, you know, it's not the fastest thing in the world and you're kind of <laughs> taking it apart to drop your mag, but at least, you know, you still have your AR. Yeah. How long until we've got stripper clip fed ARs? <laughs> I mean, it's like we've seen the straight pull ARs in England. Um, these guys will come up with this. It's it's still better than simply banning guns by name. Because then you can modify the firearm and keep it, right? As opposed yeah. to in Canada when they just said, oh, the AR, it's non-restricted. Now it's prohibited. Now it's, re- now it's restricted. You know, we've been all over the place just on its name. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and we, can, we can say that these laws are silly and that kind of thing, but I've got a, I've got a pump AR sitting on the floor of my room. I mean, <laughs> we've got some silly ones as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one here is uh, you're no longer allowed to temporarily loan a firearm to uh, to someone else. So uh, just loaning to someone, um, uh, you know, is is not really uh, something that's uh, that's all that going to be easy anymore. There's now uh, uh, firearms prohibition if you do not uh, report a lost or stolen firearm. I believe they're shooting for five days. So if you're on holidays and you have a gun stolen from your house, you're screwed and you're going to jail. Uh, let's see. What else do we have in here? Oh, sorry, no. Uh, 
misdemeanor. So that wouldn't probably come with jail time. That's probably just a prohibition on uh, owning firearms and uh, doing anything afterwards. Uh, the next one was uh, if you're going to buy ammo, you're going to have to uh, uh, go through an entirely different process. I believe this is uh, you'll have to actually go through a, a background tre- check uh, of sorts to buy ammo. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is very different than the rest of the states. I think for us in Canada here, we say like, well, we don't have to do that. But we, in effect, we do because our license is automatically background checking us uh, nightly. And uh, that then makes us able to walk into a store with that card and then just buy ammo. But uh, um, <laughs> I guess our, our uh, law is a little bit more convenient because we just, have a, we just apply for the card once and then we're good to go. But, yeah, that sounds... Uh, that sounds like a pain in the butt. And the last one that I wanted to talk about was uh, they just straight out banned magazines capable of holding more than 10 cartridges, period. Uh, so this uh, isn't going to – like you're, they're not going to be doing 50 Beowulf mags to hold 223. They're not going to be doing any of that kind of thing because the law is worded as such as it cannot hold more than 10 rounds. That's it. So – that's going to uh, that's going to make for some uh, uh, really weird situations. Imagine you had a fifty Beowulf uh, rifle in California. What would you be limited to? Would you would it would it be like two rounds, three rounds, four, five rounds, right? But yeah, probably four? Be probably four. Four. Yeah. 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 It's going to be weird, and I mean, yeah. So I mean, um, I guess I'm not sure if that's center fire, if that's a shotgun and rifle, but. Uh, I guess that'll be limiting for uh, for some rifles as well. But long story short, California got a whole bunch of uh, really restrictive gun laws, and uh, I predict zero impact crime because criminals don't follow gun laws. I uh, I respectfully disagree. I think that this will have a tremendous effect on crime, but in the opposite of what they intended, gun uh, like gun smuggling is now and ammunition smuggling is now going to become a serious crime in California. They're going to the criminals, the Hells Angels, and the organized crime. They're going to be smuggling in firearms, probably even more so. They used to be able to get guns within California, but if you're not allowed to buy a regular AR anymore in California, things are going to get stolen, things are going to get smuggled, firearms trafficking is going to increase. They've done nothing to, to protect the public. They've just created a whole new bunch of criminals. The government's created demand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, you said it, Stephen. Well, and the interesting thing to me is that now, that, now there's going to be a whole bunch of firearms manufacturers who are going to be building uh, firearms just for California. So at least it's going to spur some are, demand are uh, for new things. Oh yeah, because you have to. Uh, is the market that strong, uh, California? It, 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 oh, they have I as many so, people yeah. as we have. Yeah, big population. Yeah, yeah. the government there is a large population of people that want guns legally in California. Okay. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of people in some of the larger cities who don't uh, who traditionally vote against. But California's big, and there's there's a lot of uh, go there's a lot of areas in there where there's a lot of gunnies, and uh, and they they will still want to own this stuff. It's just a question of uh, uh, manufacturers tailoring to, to them, right? Crazy. All right. Yeah. That it for that one, Adriel. You bet. Okay. So that's all we had for news this week. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. So let's jump into our main topic. The reason that we have Andy and Stephen hanging out with us, and that is to discuss the newest division in IPSC, and that is the classic division. 
So I just want to beat around a little bit why the boys like it, what the classic division is, um, and then maybe what it's kind of become. <laughs> I see right off of the top, um, I see the classic division in Ipsic going down the same road the production division did. Would you guys agree with that? What road is that? That's the road where manufacturers started to produce guns to tailor the rules and description for the category. Oh, I thought you meant like the road where everybody's shooting it. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Come <laughs> on now. Not, no. Well, why don't we tell our listeners who are not Ipsic savvy what the Classic Division is? Let's start there. Yeah, why don't we let Andy or Steven take that? What is the Classic Division, Dylan? Well, it's, uh, it's a division in Ipsic where the, the handgun that you use has to be a 1911 model or resemble one. Um, it has to fit certain – it's it, – it's kind of like the old AR-15 by name thing. It, it has to be a 1911, and whether it's the definition of a 1911, it is what they say it is, I guess. Mm. Um, I, well, I, I also I copied into the show notes here the um, appendix from the rule book on what you can and can't do in the classic division. Um, but, but keep defining it a little bit, Andy. I don't think we want to get into the minutiae of the rules, really. No. Well, a 1911 is a single stack you know, semi-auto pistol um, uh, was, you know, invented and her adopted by the U.S. military in 1911. Uh, it's been it's very popular. Um, some people like it. Some people don't like it. Uh, it was what Ipsic started with. It was the gun that everyone used at, when Ipsic started, is from what I understand. And then when uh, guns with higher capacity came along, they were no longer competitive. And so they fell out of use. And I guess... I'm not really sure. I guess classic division is kind of a, a way to let guys who want to shoot a limited capacity gun in Ipsic have a class to play in. Mm, but is it a limited capacity gun? Well, why well, don't we just let them shoot them with the revolvers? Basically the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it is. No, like in, in major power factor, we can only shoot eight rounds. Mm-hmm. So that when you're when you're going to a stage and you have to put – you got four targets and you got to put two in each one, you have to take that extra – heartbeat to uh make sure the sights are lined up because either you're stuck with a standing reload or your I mean, your 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 time ratio is going to kill you you just uh mm. well what, what trevor's trying to set us up for here is the the minor rule where you're allowed to have 10 yeah but they get, they get you know they get a disadvantage in points yeah exactly so it's let's minor. talk about that for a little bit the ip uh, in ipsic i'm not sure if uspsa does this because the USPSA also has a very similar division to the classic division. And I, I think theirs is more true to the definition of a classic pistol, and we'll talk about that later. But in Ipsic, you can shoot the classic division in either major with 40, 45, or actually 357 SIG with only eight rounds in the gun, or you can choose to score minor and shoot with um, 9 millimeter Or 40. You can do 40 in minor? And run 10-round mags? Well, there's a chronographed. It scores hmm. that way. And you can run 10 rounds? I think they'll make a 9-round mag for the Ford, don't they? No, 10. And it, 10? it has to fit in the box, of course. But, uh, okay. yeah, you can run 40 minor. <laughs> Another weird caveat. There's a weird conundrum thing with USPSA where you can actually show up to the match and eat the whole previous walkthrough. And some guy, you, will cho- you can choose to shoot minor or major at the match. So guys will show up with... They can, you know, different mags and different ammo to shoot. You know, either depending, there might be an advantage depending on this on the stages, or wow. they might even shoot it 
with their major ammo, but choose to shoot ten rounds just because of the stage design or the the match design. And take the minor scoring. Still have like yeah, four, it, four it, it a whole new, a whole different dimension to another another layer of complexity. Just if you're Strategy. trying to decide whether to shoot minor or major and have ten versus eight and minor versus major scoring. And now um, I know Andy, you're shooting major with forty five. That's right, Andy. What are you shooting? Not Andy. Sorry, Stephen. What are you shooting? Uh, forty five because your black belt is stupid. <laughs> okay. Um, now I know some of the other top shooters in 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 Ipsic that we play with um, have switched over to classic, and they're shooting nine millimeter. Um, what, do you think there's an advantage in shooting nine, or do you think what would you rather? Would you rather have the well, capacity? You got to look at the you got to look at the players, not the game. Um, that same guys were shooting minor factor production guns and guns is still sco- still scoring in the top five mm-hmm. at most matches. Mm-hmm. So then basically with, you know, with production gun for guys who want to uh, play around, do some modifications, switching over from a production gun to a nine uh, millimeter minor classic gun, it gives you the ability to really tailor the gun to you, but still sh- basically shoot the same game you used to shoot. So, okay. Well, with that logic, then why wouldn't everybody just shoot classic minor? Um, because 45. Because 45. Because 45, okay. <laughs> I tell you, we get a lot of respect at the range. When we, you know, we're the guys that put big bolts in small holes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still on the fence about which way I would go more. You know, it, it, if you're, it, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, if you're going to shoot in a major power factor, which you go for the point advantage, we definitely did give ourselves a disadvantage by only having eight rounds in the in the mag. Um, the, you know, there's a lot more strategy involved. You, you, you have, you're, there's, factor is definitely a lot less. <laughs> there's a um, there's an edit point. Thank you for that. No worries. Um, the, the yeah the uh, what do you call it? Son of a diddly factor is uh, much lower. <laughs> so, so you've got you've got the disadvantage of recoil. You got the disadvantage of lower capacity. Yep. Okay, hold on. There's no disadvantage of recoil. Yeah. You ever seen the side of my recoil masters? If, uh, <laughs> recoil math. That's right. You got a, You've got a. You got a. Well, you take a, a, a nine millimeter with a bull barrel and a recoil master. There's no recoil in that either. Compared to, no matter how you tune your forty five, the no, what splits I'm, on that nine will be faster, won't they? No, I took the recoil masters out of all my guns. Right, but would you, would you agree that the splits are going to be faster on a nine millimeter than they are on a forty five? No, not with my, not, not with the way I hold not with the way I hold onto the gun. Generally, he man. Well, I'll tell you what, I couldn't get any faster splits with my my shadow uh my shadow line nine millimeter than I could with my than I can with my forty five. Really? You know? Okay. You know? I don't I don't know like what's a good split, uh Trevor. Most of our splits are like point uh point one six between what point one six and point two. That's pretty common for our splits. Yeah, yeah that's usually what yeah. we're both of us. Yeah. There's and nine. I couldn't do any better with the with the nine, you know. And yeah. that's you know, shadow line, it's got a good trigger and all that. Oh, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So and no, no I mean, and and uh, Stephen, those those splits for us around here, those splits are fine, right? Yeah, I mean that's typically what we see at the range. Andy and I always use a timer. We we use practice score. We we track everything, and um, you know, uh, you know, we always talk about our splits. We talk about our our transitions, reload times, and draws, and all that stuff, and while under pressure. And um, yeah, common split can be anywhere from point one five to point two. So uh, let me back up in case, and we, we have a lot of listeners who aren't Ipsic savvy and Ipsic gurus. When we talk about splits, we actually talk about the time measured in the tenth of a second yeah. between shots. So you pull the trigger once, and how quickly can you pull the trigger the second time? Those are those are called the splits. 
and still be hitting something. Yes. And, and this is not just like, you know, put them in the berm. This is hit, trying to get them in the A zone. Yes. Splits, splits on alphas, yeah. So. Splits on alphas. Okay. But, Trevor, back to what you were saying about uh, disadvantage in capacity, disadvantage in recoil. Well, I, I, I retract, I meant, I retract no, no. my statement about the recoil. I was talking about between 40 and 45. If, you, if you're loading to 170 power factor, the recoil is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Physics. Yeah. Yep. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one, I, I a couple of the, the issues I have with the classic division and how I feel like it's turning into the production division. Like when the production division first came out, it was to give people a place to shoot where they didn't have to compete against race guns necessarily. And they, you know, so like you think of a Glock, a Glock is a production gun, an M&P is a production gun. But when you look at a CZ Shadow or a Tanfoglio Stock 2 Extreme, you put that Tanfoglio Stock 2 Extreme against a Bone Stock Glock 17, they don't look like they belong in the same division. But, exactly. but the, the Stock 3 or the Stock 2 is built at the factory specifically to meet the requirements of that um, division. So they do end up in the same category. I think if you look at the category in any, no matter what the sport is, you're going to find manufacturers after a while will start catering to their customers and game uh, and build guns that people want to buy. Of course, of course. So production vision, Ipsic, it, you know, your stock, the Glock 17 versus the Tangfolio stock three. It, yep. It's almost like this, day. But this is a game, right? I mean, this yeah. is a game. So you're going to have that happen. Same uh, in standard division. If you show up with a Glock 40, Glock 2.1 and shooting 45, and you're showing up with an Infinity Sight Tracker 5.4 barrel, you're, you know, different game. I expect that more in standard, right? I mean, of course, open is whatever. And I look at standard as, yeah, it's the place for the edges and the infinities and the Tanfoglios. If you go there with a, a bone stock Glock 35 or an MMP 40, you're just asking for it. Um, production has gotten out of, well, I won't say production has gotten out of hand, but production has lost its way. Um, it's one of the reasons why IDPA was started so that the IDPA rules on the guns are much stricter. You know, they want to basically use duty firearms. Um, when I think about the classic division, I think about a, a single stack 45, no dust cover, um, no ambi safety. Uh, but now we're seeing, we're seeing bull barrels, you know, a classic 1911, in my opinion, shouldn't have a bull barrel nine millimeter. I, I, shouldn't be there but i could almost accept nine millimeter i can certainly accept nine millimeter before 40 the 40 smith and wesson came out in the 90s exactly. yeah there's nothing yeah. classic about that round it's fbi ammo yeah 357 sig i mean well 357 sig came out of basically the australian market when they banned you know they want to make major power factor nipsic but still bullet diameter was an issue in australia Mm-hmm. But it's it's a classic. Uh, it's it's recognized in classic until oh, yeah. December seventeen. So, so what? Okay, so why it, it participation isn't isn't super high? Is it just to allow more, maybe entice more people to, to shoot it who don't want to don't want to? It's not like we're overrun with competition. Of, load, of loading forty five is. Um, I mean, it isn't actually that much more expensive if you load, but uh, you know, nine's cheap and. Is that why? Is that why they allow the nine? Or is it? That's a great question. Why do they allow the nine in classic? It's it's an interesting. When I first 
understood how that worked, I was kind of like, that's weird. Why don't they just make it 45 if people want to shoot classic? If they don't want to shoot 45, they can go play in standard or something like that, right? Yeah, if they want to shoot 9mm, go to production. But now that I'm in it and shooting classic, I find it quite interesting. I'm still shooting 45. I don't have a 9. But uh, I find it you know, nine millimeter classic is is tuner guns. It's tuner guns for uh, production guys. Is what it is. Big time, yep. big yep. time. I, so I, you, what's your option if you want to shoot minor power factor and you can and if you can get them in the A zone and score well, then and you but you want to have a gun that's really you know dialed in. Your only real option is classic minor. Yeah, I standard would, minor doesn't doesn't standard work. minor's a joke. Yeah, you can't be competitive in standard minor. Right, unless you're because well, every, everybody's got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got 10. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of guys that can do it in this country, but I mean, globally, standard yeah. minor doesn't make sense. It's not a smart way to go. No. So, um, let's back to you guys. Why did you both, um, well, Andy, you were shooting 45 anyway, but you were shooting a double stack para in standard. And right. uh, Stephen, what were you shooting before classic? Uh, Glock 21, 100% stock in, in standard. Bone stock, Glock 21 and 45. Yeah. Yeah. So you both made the switch to the classic division. Was it because of your love for the 1911 platform? What what made you go there? Partly that. Um, the, there was originally three of us. There was Jamie, Jamie as well. Uh, we all took our black badge more or less together. Three of us were supposed to take it together in February 2014. I had a ski trip right in the middle of that. Stephen had some kind of an important ski trip or something, so he he took it later. But anyway, uh, Jamie started out with a 1911 with a with a in classic. I remember him, yeah. But yeah. When Jamie started. Was he in classic or was he in standard? No, nope, classic. Classic right. was there. Yeah. He liked 1911s and he always wanted one. He got one and that's what he shot. He borrowed mine. Actually, the gun I use now in classic. That's what he did his black badge with um, when it was stock. Anyway, Ruger. He's since taking a break from Ipsic because he's got a young family and he's being busy being doing the parenting thing. Um, but when Steven switched to classic as well, I think I don't know why Steven switched. But when I he switched, switched, I, I was, <laughs> I, you know, I realized that a Glock was not going to be a. Combi- I want like you know, I was all about shooting major power factor. Um, Recoil is not an issue for me. Um, I wanted to shoot an all metal gun. Um, I'd only been shooting handguns very, very briefly before I uh, did shot with Andy and then uh, end up shooting doing the black badge course. So I just I had a Glock 21, just a just a range gun. I go out and do some blasting with. So that's what I had when I did the uh, black badge course. And um, shortly, after, very shortly afterwards, I realized I wanted an all metal gun. Um, didn't really know much about 1911s, 2011s, or you know anything else. Didn't even heard never even heard of Tanfolio till two years ago. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it's okay. It, you haven't been around long enough to know better, so you may still come back to the to the light. That's fine. There, there is a bit of a light that I would. He's actually been talking. What the what my difference is? If I own a stand, if I bought a standard gun and I would buy it in forty five, just because, um, I would like to see what the difference. If there's any speed uptake in the mag changes, yes. And if I'm a little more freer with the rounds, where I have that extra buffer of the two spare rounds, yes. If I'm a little gonna, if I'm gonna, if that's gonna, if that's gonna increase my speed in any way, and I'd, be, and I'd only do it just out of uh, curiosity. The reality is, this is a um, an amateur sport. I will never be paid to do it, so I might as well enjoy what I'm doing when I go out there. And I tell you, you get a little bit of respect when you show up with a 1911 and start beating up on some of these other guys. From who? 
from the other guys. Well, maybe it's just their <laughs> ugly faces when they're crying. <laughs> yeah. The tears in the cars as they leave the yard. When I walk up to you and I go to shake your hand, I look at your holster and I take my hand back and I walk away. That's not respect, Stephen. <laughs> You're <laughs> the, only, fear, I'm fear. the only one here. I remember, I remember uh, you, were, you were here and you were talking about an SVI. I was. Um, you know what? The problem is I'm not at the level where if I show up with uh, – that's like showing up with a Ferrari and you cannot drive your passenger driver's side. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, again, it was, it, was never, uh, it was never really much of the cost. I like to, I, you know, I like to buy – if something's going to work well and reliably, I will invest in, uh, in quality. You know, you know, if you buy quality, you only cry once. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, I've now – the problem, my problem with the SVI guns is they're too pretty. Like they're, they are some, they are meant to be, I, you know, I, I'm sure they work impeccably, but they are way too pretty for, uh, for taking to the range. To bleed on. To bleed on as I do. <laughs> um, Used to. So anyway, I've, I've, I've since come across these guys, Atlas Gunworks, they're small upstart. Um, they make, they cut, make 1911 and 2011s. Uh, they do lots of YouTubes. Guy Adam does the videos. He's absolutely no bull. Um, tells you what they do it and why they do it. Sort of. At a point. <laughs> Son of a diddly. Uh, so, and I've got a lot of respect for these guys because he's like, you know, and he's like, this is what this is what we're doing. And this is why other people don't do their certain things and why we do certain things. And um, I've since there. I mean, they're a small gun company. Um, each gun, one of their guns is handmade, hand fit. You know, it's gonna it's gonna work. So um, the only thing is, exchange rates not that favorable right now. I'm just kind of waiting to see if there's gonna be a little more of a dick down. Uh, downtick in the in the fall but i yeah i definitely would buy if i was going to buy a handmade custom gun for competition uh I, these atlas gunworks guys i think they got their act together hmm. and it's again i'd be the same thing it'd be a, a 1911 single stack but they just instead of you know instead of a guy sti putting together in whatever how long it takes together to build a 1911 they triple the hours into a gun with yeah polishing, so it's yeah edges and fit Everything, the, all the mags come. Everything is gonna work. So the only mistake is the guy behind the gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you guys, uh, you gonna? Is this a vacation or is this? Do you think you're gonna stay in classic as long as it's around? Personally, I probably always shoot classic. Yeah. Yeah. There's no I reason like to switch. Yeah. Andy? I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy the challenge of it. Um, yeah. It was getting a little bit. Uh, for a while there, it was either Stephen and I were go- or I were going going to win the match, you know. And then uh, Sean Hansen and Jim Smith switched into it, which made me very happy. I'm sure it um, did. Yeah, I'd be excited to, to play you with get them. To compare yourself against some really, you know, top class shooters. And um, they are both shooting uh, minor, correct? No, um, Jim. Good. Jim's been shooting minor, pretty steady. Sean switches back and forth. I don't know what he's going to do at nationals. Jim's been shooting a Trojan uh, nine not, uh, nine millimeter, and Sean's been switching back. He has a USPSA forty cal, and then he has got another another one in nine millimeter. I can't remember what it was, but again, both STIs. But uh, yeah, what they're gonna do for nationals? I'm not sure. I heard a rumor that um, Sean will be attending SummerSlam and shooting Classic Minor. Oh yeah, he's I uh, yeah he's all he's all about it. I mean, he he felt he was time to join the cool kids. So I opened up the statistics here for SummerSlam, and I um, opened up a competitor list by division, and Classic has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18. 
that's probably double the amount of competitors I had in Classic last year. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, and more and more people are talking about giving it a go. One, two, I hope three, they do. four, five, six, seven. Unfortunately, I have seven revolver shooters, so that's too bad. But, uh, <laughs> I don't get it. Well, up until, up until uh, you know, Jim Jim Smith and uh, Sean Hansen started shooting Classic, there was, every once in a while, there was a couple other guys that might show up, and really they had, like, they probably had legitimate, more le- in your eyes, more legitimate 1911s. They were, uh, again, like no mag well, no mag bases, um, 100% stock, heavy triggers, and um, but they were always at the, the bottom of the pile. They were just showing up to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, but even with a magwell, one of these guns is more difficult mag change than a than a production gun. Oh yeah, but the magwell helps. It all helps incredibly. Yes. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, uh, um, at least they said it had to fit in the box. But if they would have left the gun classic, they wouldn't have had to say it fitted in the box. It would have been no question. So the box, the box is a gun that the is the box is a gun. <laughs> the box is an IPSC tool used to make sure that your gun is within the specifications of the rules. The gun fits inside the box, and then there's an aluminum bar that slides over top, and nothing on the gun can touch that bar, so it has to be completely within the confines of the box. So if your magwell is too big, it'll snag on the bar. If you have a gas pedal that's too big, it'll snag on the bar. If you have safeties that are too big, et cetera. um, Well, with with the Classic, the magwell is actually... Measured, a, yeah, smaller yeah. 30, than that. Yeah. Thirty-four and a half millimeters. There's, yeah. there's a notch in the side of the box that it has to fit into, or something, yeah. I guess. Okay. Yeah, very just good. because to keep it more classic-ish looking. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the the, the is no wider than the grip is what it is. Yeah, the grip, the grip and the magwell are the same width. So yeah, if you run your finger down the grip, it's the exact same width as the magwell. It's or maybe just slightly protruding, but not not like not like standard where it pops out half an inch and helps funnel your hand up into the beaver tail. Yeah, like very yeah. good. But well, no matter what the gun, you know, it's the practice and the shooter are way more important. Thank you, Yoda. Well, it's true. I know it's true, but we're here to pick on 1911s. No, well, I'm kidding. Well, we're not. You know what I love about the 1911? It's the Honda Civic of the guns. You can get any, you can do anything to it to make it exactly the way you want it. It's mm. great. Can you turn it into a Glock and make it reliable? Hey, I've got 8,000 rounds for this, but a single failure. So Really? Hmm. My gun works. I've got about 30,000 through mine, and I've had three. There two, you go. Two were, two were mag springs, and one was a broken extractor. Well, parts are going to break, but yeah, the, 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 you know. you. But it's, it's reliable. It's more reliable than my Glock, actually. All right, this interview is over. <laughs> yeah. My, my, yeah, my Glock is stovepipe way more. Like, never my Glock. My 1911 does not. Interesting. Well, all right, gentlemen. Depends on your builder. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, Kelly, Adriel, Matthew, any uh, questions or comments about you guys ready to join Ipsic and shoot 1911s? No. I don't know why Matthew, why Matthew does not have a 1911. He loves to tinker. That's and true. That, you know, I have seriously considered classic division until it stopped being classic and started being more like standard. And it is a lot more like standard. It's single stack standard, guys. That's what it is. Yeah. It's standard if you want to have a little more difficult mag change and less fewer rounds. Exactly. So more of a more of a mental challenge. You know, challenge yourself a bit, you know? I would totally go with a full on race classic nine millimeter gun. 
full barrel uh, recoil oh, master knife. Of course I would. See, I'm just over here in production division wondering what the heck is CZ going to come out with next. Like, <laughs> I, I shoot a, a factory Glock 17. I'm, that's production. Uh, a custom-built uh, CZ, uh, that's not supposed to be in production division, in my opinion. But whatever. You don't think well, the stock the 3 is extreme should be in there? No. No, it should be what what people carry on duty. It should be, you know, eh, whatever. It is. Well, you know, you you know what, Matthew? I could see this happening. They came out with a classic division to give those guys a a place to shoot their single stack 1911s, and it was very quickly overrun by race, raced out, tricked out nine millimeters. They need to have a carry division or a duty division in Ipsic, and then those plastic guns can go there, and they can leave the production division for the Shadows and the Stock 2s and Stock 3s. And but how many divisions do you want? Well, That's exactly. the problem, right? Exactly. Who do you want to compete against? Do you want to find the guys that have the, the shoot the worst guns and shoot against those guys? Like... Yeah, but that would answer the question. All right, This is why IDPA started, because production <laughs> division was no longer production. And now classic, now classic division is no longer classic. But that, that speaks to the nature of the game of Ipsic. Ipsic Good. is the gamiest of all practical exactly. shooting sports, right? It's a lot of fun. It, you know, and if the classic division went away, I wouldn't really care. I'd just get a, probably a standard gun and go with that. Or mm. I, like the, I like to shoot the guns. I don't really care too much. I like, I like most guns. I think, I, like division, I think classic division is here to stay. I hope so. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And it's nice to see more... More competition in, in it as well. Yeah, 18 people at SummerSlam. That's 18 out of 150. I wonder how many are registered for nationals. Stephen and I are on the Nova Scotia team as well. It was a very tough, uh, rigid selection process, eh? Yeah. Did you hear about that? No. You had to shoot classic. Mm. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like our revolver team. But I don't think we actually have a revolver team. I don't think we had enough guys shooting. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, so... Well, all right, gentlemen, we're going to move on to our listener feedback then. And uh, feel free to hang out and uh, contribute as we go along. Uh, This first one comes to us from Wes, and I'm going to take it so that I screw up the order and I don't have to take Spencer's because it's really long, so I'll give it to Matthew. (laughs) Wes says, uh, thanks a bunch, Matt, Trevor, Kelly, and Cardboard Frosty. I just wanted to thank you all for putting on the charity shoot. Thank Kevin and Kelly. It was a fantastic event, and Corinne... Patrick and I thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. Even even if I didn't bring home a set of guns for all of us, even if I did, even if I did, yeah, this is why I can't read Frosty's or uh, Spencer's. Even if I did only bring one set of guns for all of us, it didn't matter though, as the crew helped out, helped us out, and made sure everyone had a firearm and some ammunition. Thanks a ton. Uh, thanks a ton for that, by the way. Corinne really likes the trophy. Corinne uh, won the uh, McClatchy Shot Award. We get a kick out of hearing the reaction to what it was for. Quote, what do you mean it's for last place? (laughs) Some people just don't get it, no matter what you try to tell them. I appreciate Trevor holding back and letting some other competitors, namely myself, win. Yeah, you're well. Yeah, yeah, he held back. I held back, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he he held back. Sandbagging, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Totally held back, yeah. It, they haven't come up with an excuse yet I didn't use. <laughs> I really liked I really like both of my medals. Uh, you're welcome, uh, Wes. And it was capital letters for both, by the way. Yes. I think that was a dig, wasn't it? That was a big-time dig. Wes yeah. is reminding us all that he has two medals, and I have yeah. none. But if I had to pick a top moment, 
of the weekend, stories by Jewel and Gallon would be the would be hard to beat. Although mixing the two might just be the ticket. Just the kind of humor to make me feel right at home. I hope to meet up with you guys again sometimes. Sometime, maybe a three gun or some such. I've really taken to that recently. Take care, Wes. Well, Wes, if you were willing to travel all the way from uh, Regina to the Rescuers Gun Club on October 22nd, I will find a place for you to sleep so you can shoot our three gun. So, all right, Matthew, now show us how to, I showed us how not to read an email. Will you uh, go ahead and take Spencer's and show us how to read an email? Well, I'll certainly try, but with an intro like that, I'm sure to mess it up now. You're welcome. (laughs) It's been a while. Hey, guys. I'm originally from Boston, so guys includes you too, Kelly. It's been a while since I gave you an update about life here in the beautiful South, so here it is. First of all, it was a big day for a local Smyrna company recently when Glock announced they won the FBI proposal that looks like it had been specifically written to exclude everything but the SIG P320. I would say. (laughs) The contract is for $85 million, which at law enforcement pricing is a lot of Glocks. Looks like they will be expanding the factory here again. If only they needed IT folks, I checked, and they don't. They do all that stuff in Austria. The most interesting part is that the RFP specifically says no finger grooves. So there will be Glock 17s, 19s, and 26s coming soon without those abominations. I believe it requires full ambidextrous controls as well. Supposedly, there will be a whole new model line for these guns called the M's, but that's just a rumor right now, and no one except the testers at the FBI have actually seen what these new Glocks will look like. Oh, wait a second. I thought this was a done deal. I thought the FBI had already chosen the SIG. This sounds... No, they, they chose the Glock. You didn't hear about this. No. Did you not, did you not read the beginning of the email? The part, well, where, it said, the part where it said that Glock one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, wait a second. And that, this was posted on Facebook by many gun people about two or three weeks ago. Yeah, I figured this was old news. No. Nope, it's on is... Facebook, it's true. Yeah, well, absolutely. Hey, and, well, Check on Wikipedia next. <laughs> Carry on. All right. So Glock is okay. Yeah, FBI is getting Glocks. So, in other news, after my FN buying spree, I planned on cutting back a bit on buying new gun stuff, but the U.S. government had other ideas. I won't go into NFA law except to say that the ATF changed it so that a redundant background check, you get checked when you take possession already, is going to be required. Since they do this remotely at the ATF branch in West Virginia, you have to send in special paperwork with fingerprints from your local police and passport photos and such. None of it's hard but it's a big increase in the hassle factor, especially if you have a trust with uh, multiple people on it. Of course, that's exactly the point. The number of NFA items uh, sold is growing so fast that things like suppressors are becoming mainstream. I think 20 or or so states, including here in Georgia, allow you to hunt with them now, and they are legally, uh, and they are legal in literally every state that isn't completely owned by the gun control lobby. Also, After more than a decade of cycling people through the military, we have lots of them wondering why it's a felony for them to have the same 14-inch barrel as a civilian that the government gave them on their M4 in the Army. After the ATF reversed their stance that shouldering a pistol with a brace on it was legal, the number of SBR applications went through the roof as well. (laughs) But I digress. After July 13th, all this extra paperwork goes into effect, and everything NFA has 
Oh, and everything NFA has literally been flying off the shelves, so it gets grandfathered under the current rules. I had two NFA builds planned, which I'll write to you more about next year when these stamps finally come in. Wait times are 11 months plus. One of them is an integrally suppressed 1022 using the new Magpul stock. Nice. I want one of those. And the other is an AR with a permanently attached suppressor to get a 10-inch barrel up to the 16-inch legal limit. The AR will probably be set up as a Honey Badger-style PDW, but that's not 100% sure right now. I had planned on both of these happening next year after the politics settled down. Heck, there was even a bill in Congress that could have taken suppressors off the NFA entirely, so there was a good reason to wait. However, Obama's revenge struck first, so I decided to blow the budget and get the NFA parts now. At least I can buy the other pieces for these builds over the next year while I wait for the stamps, although I'm not sure where I'll keep them. This refrigerator box that I'm back into uh, living doesn't have much storage space. Best wishes to all, and congrats on the charity shoot. It sounds like it was a huge success. Good luck topping that next year. That comes to us from Spencer in Smyrna, and he has a PS. Adriel, for what it's worth, a short-barreled shotgun is just that. A shotgun with a barrel under 16 inches. And an AOW stands for any other weapon, and it would cover things like guns built into a cane, or a wallet, or a desk, which are apparently all real things. So yeah. Thank you for that epic novel, Spencer. I didn't screw it up too much, but uh, sounds like you're having fun down there in Georgia, blowing your budget on some really cool toys. If you want to just send that 1022 uh, up here, just mark it, you know, machined parts or something. I don't know. It'll probably make it across the border. That'd be cool. Airsoft only. Airsoft. Well, it's quiet, right? So exactly. Pew, pew, pew. What, what are you shooting? BB gun. Oh, okay. Have a nice day. <laughs> that might hurt your supply of ammo, Matthew. It probably would hurt it significantly. <laughs> uh, maybe one day. Well, Trevor, um, that's back to you, bud. It's it's your turn again. Trevor? No, Trevor. There. Okay. Oh, stupid mute. All right. <laughs> and that's I no way to... You weren't talking to me, were you? I also had my <laughs> microphone turned off. <laughs> um, if you would like to email the show, you could do so by sending it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. You can request specific calls to read your email or specific calls not to. No one will be offended. No iTunes reviews this week, um, but we have been getting some from around the world, which is really cool. We got an Australia, a United Kingdom, and a Lithuania. So uh, if you're out there listening somewhere other than Canada or the U.S., please drop us a line. It doesn't even have to be on iTunes. We just want to know about our international listeners and what it's like where you're at. Um, but if you are going to leave a review, we do we do have a rule. Uh, it has to be a five-star. Otherwise, uh, don't bother. I guess. I'll just delete it. There you go. We'll report you <laughs> as a troll to the iTunes power. That's setting. basically what happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some people ask for honest reviews. We do That's not. That's not us. Yep. Nope. Nope. All right. Who is the iTunes police. Pardon me? Who is the iTunes police? Who is the iTunes police? Yeah, you said you report. Stacy is. She oh, takes care of that stuff. Yes. We forward the name to Stacy, and that's the end of it. Speaking of Stacy and the Aram Squirrels and the Aram Squirrels Friends Challenge. I'm going to shoot oh. it with my 1911. Pistol target is out, guys. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that was my job this week. Sorry. What was your job this week? Ten outs that, you know, the new ah. pistol challenge was out. Hey, did you shoot it yet? I get the brownie points. Did I shoot it yet? I haven't been able to walk until like two days ago. No. 
that's no excuse. I take a drill gun to the range, not a ten full gun. People pistol. People shoot, you know, in wheelchairs and different things like that too. So get your. Uh, and did I, you man. Again, Trevor, did you hurt your calf? Oh <laughs> no! I actually, I actually herniated a disc while sleeping. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous games you play. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I wish there was an interesting perverted story behind it, but there's not. I just rolled over at two thirty in the morning and my back was out. <laughs> you weren't uh, even sleeping on a slight incline or anything. Hey? No, it was. I was like in my in my in my favorite bed, yeah. So anyway. Kelly, shout outs. My big shout out is going out to Dave Morell. He's my buddy, and I'll just leave it at that. All right then. Dave. Dave is Kelly's buddy. All right. No one's saying he's not. Stop getting offended. Trevor's not judging. Yeah, not judging. You can be buddies with whoever you want. And you can ride tanks from whatever position you choose. (laughs) And unfortunately, that didn't make it to the outtakes. So we'll just have to leave it at that. Yep. All right. Uh, I've got one. Uh, Jason, uh, who's a listener to the show... Uh, I had his uh, 22 that uh, Ruger Rimfire, uh, Ruger American Rimfire, and uh, I sold it for him. And uh, he took out, took me out for uh, lunch to Red Robins. So got to, which is like a burger joint for anyone who doesn't have Red Robins around their place. So did he pay? He, buy a he did pay. Oh. Yes, yes, I got a Red Robin burger out of it. You're moving up, buddy. Yeah, moving on up in the world. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, uh, I think I mentioned on the last show, I got some of them Velcro, put in plastic, poke it in the barrel things for my safe. Did I mention that last time? Yes. Okay, so I set those up in my safe, and it is the best. I don't know how I lived without it. I've got, like, so many more guns in my safe now, and uh, they're not, like, bumping around and stuff. So it's sweet. I, so, like, so fully recommend it. Yeah. The part, the part that goes in the barrel is made of plastic? You got it. So harmless, yeah. Cool. Yeah, how harmless. Does, how does it hold? Is just catch in the chamber or something, or hook around the breech, or how does that work? No, it's, it's so um, your shelf on the top there. You need to make sure it's got some fabric on it. They they send some fabric. My safe had uh, already some kind sure. of carpet fabric in there, so that sticks to the Velcro end on the uh, on this stick, and the stick goes in the barrel, and it just kind of keeps the gun sitting there, right? So, oh, you, so the gun's still on the floor. It's just held yeah. in place. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of like gives suspended you, in the middle of the safe. So yeah, you can, you can you stack them. More floor space. You don't have to worry about using the outside perimeter. Gotcha. Yeah, mm. and when you when you look at your shotguns and uh, things that don't have a scope on them, you can stack them deep. So you could. I, I, I've just got one of the Costco three hundred and fifty dollars safes and. Uh, I can stack three shotguns in a row now uh, with these things, so I, I can get all my guns in my safe. It's sweet. So when you go to take one out, do you just pull the Velcro off and take yeah, the whole just, fork out? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you just you just pop the fo- – so I, I have all my commonly used guns at the front, and I've got my sure. less commonly used guns at the back. And uh, you just kind of pull that plastic bit down and uh, and pull your rifle out. Now, I have seen some people use um, – you, you guys remember those like um, balloon holders? So you imagine like the the plastic straw thing that has like the little curly bit that, oh, that yeah. hangs onto a balloon that like little kids use. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people with those that slap some Velcro on it and use those, but I, I don't know. They, they might not be stiff enough, or they like because it need, doesn't need to be stiff plastic because it's got to hold the barrel. Well, it might be like trying to go cockeyed on you. So anyway, take, those are really cool. I'll, maybe I'll take a picture and throw I it up on our Facebook say, page. Yeah, post more pictures. Yeah, cool. This this needs pictures. All right. 
Anyone else? Steven. What's that? What are we going to feed Trevor at Nationals? Have you decided? Trevor and Muffin. Oh, man. Where to start? I'm talking about a move the range every day. If we keep him full, he'll shoot slow. That's what I'm thinking. Slower. I'm not even in classic. Why are you trying to screw me? not in our division. Well, that's another thing we have to talk about, Trevor. One of these days, you're going to have to shoot, you know, one match in classic division just for fun. (sighs) Which means you'd have to have a 1911. Yeah, well, well, guess what? I don't. Yeah, but you will. (laughs) It's inevitable. No, it's not. Actually, oh my God, I do have a 1911. go buy a Nork. There's a heavy dark side pull to uh, coming and shooting with us. You, You know what? I have, um, I have that that uh, Dominion Arms here. <laughs> that uh, it will Archie's. go to Archie Perry someday, but in the meantime, it's here. So maybe you know, maybe no one even knows where Archie is. Yeah, he's in a truck somewhere. Yeah, I can't mail a gun to his truck. Um, maybe Nova Scotia Provincials. How's that? Now you're talking. All right. I so I need two things. There, I need I need two things. I need a whole belt set up. I need ammo. And I need mags. Steven's got all that. Yeah, pretty much have all that, yeah. All right. <laughs> you guys do that, and I'll be dumb enough to shoot it in class. <laughs> I'll shoot Nova Scotia Provincials in classic. With that gun. With that Durango. Yeah. Yikes. I don't know if that's a good idea. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just get, it might stain your opinion of classic forever. Yeah, it's already stained. Actually, that gun shoots really well. Does it? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's got a full-length guide rod. Like, I mean, it's got all kinds of stuff in it. They actually say the Nork 1911s are pretty good, don't they? Well, I don't know. Well, They're hit and miss, maybe? Reliable. The steel's really good. Yeah, the steel's really good. This one's a Dominion, but I don't think it's... I think it's probably made in the same company as the Norks. I think they're not a bad gun to build, like, if you wanted to build one off of. I'm yeah. not shooting at, I'm not shooting provincial, so you can take my rig and my gun and go and do that. Well, no, I'm going to do it when you guys are both shooting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to go to provincials. It's summer. What for it's the not, If six season starts in like October. Yeah. National. You're making an, an exception. You're making an exception for the nationals. Yeah. Except for right. nationals, but midsummer. All right. All right. We'll sort it out later. <laughs> um, <laughs> listeners. Spring bang. If you ever show up again. Fine. No, spring bang is a spring bang is an important match. Well, how All important? Right. Are I'm going to close off the show, and then you can ridicule <laughs> me later. <laughs> Listeners, please join one of our national uh, firearms associations, one or both or all, whatever. Just join the CCFR. That'd be, you'll be fine. Um, it's important to support those people who support us. Right, Kelly? Adriel, Adriel, you do your paperwork yet? Yeah, a long time ago. Oh, excellent. Yeah. All right. You guys are awesome. Uh, be sure to check us out on the Gun Owners of Canada. We have our own little forum over there because they're awesome to us. Like us on Facebook, we're at 1,470. We have 105 thumbs up, 10 gold stars, and counting. Two flukes, two manatee flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space. And we were given <laughs> a, a part of a dingo's anatomy, but we're not going to count it. So until next week, everybody, um, stay classy, but avoid the classic division. Oh, Peter. <laughs> so if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.